Yes, welcome, Looney listeners. You are listening to episode 62 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. It is the waxing gibbous, and so we have for you tonight a trade or arc review. We'll be looking at none other than Round Robin, a sidekick's revenge from the pages of Spider-Man. So, grab your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conchu on. Yes, welcome, loony listeners. We are up to episode 62. Uh, I am your High Priest, Ray, uh, taking you through this episode. Unfortunately, Konishu can't make it t- today. He, um, I've heard something along the lines of him meeting out justice or exacting revenge or something. So he's on a little mission himself, but uh, hopefully he'll be back for uh, the later episodes coming. With that, though, we have a couple of really cool special guests for you, loonies. None other, none other than your fellow loonies. Uh, first, I'll introduce Rick, the Rickball Special. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm pretty great. Thank you very much. Cool, cool. It's good to have Rick back on the show. And not only that, we've got a bit of a one-two punch here. We also have a returning on the show, uh, no stranger, Josh Geronimo Johnson. How are you, Josh? I'm good, man. It's good to be back again for the fourth time in like three months. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Josh, Josh. I'm, sure pe- I'm sure people are sick of me already. Oh, <laughs> no, not, not at all. Not. <laughs> exactly. I think um, Josh didn't realize uh, how <laughs> how frequent he, he can make it on the show, which is fantastic. We, we definitely welcome it. And it's Rick's second time on the show, Rick. Um, we last heard you on an Isla Ra all the way back. I can't remember the episode number, but we were at Jenna's Diner. Uh, it, was, it was quite a while ago, but uh, how things been, Rick? Good. Just work. Work in comic books, like the usual. <laughs> it sounds very similar to our Isla conversation. Um, yeah, but I mean, look, um, I don't know. We, You've caught a few movies, have you? I mean, you've checked out the new... I mean. To let loonies know, Rick and I share the same LCS. We both go to King's Comics, which have now relocated from their uh, their spot, which they had for about 16 years, and they're now more in the centre of the city. Um, so they're there temporarily, but it's uh, it's always fun to have a different location. Um, you mentioned, Rick, that you popped in there one time. Um, you picked up a few juicy trades. I only picked up one. It was just a, a little one, a little indie book called Infinity Countdown Darkhawk. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes. That, yeah, have you read that, Josh? Uh, I've actually... I've read issues two through four. I didn't read the first issue. So I don't remember how it started. But oh, I read the, but what the, did... Yeah, what the you, end bit. Yeah, what did you think of two to four? Uh, I thought it was good. However, I, I made the mistake of not going back and rereading like the... the 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 one shot that came out in like November. Uh-huh. So when I jumped into issue two, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Right. I could have just went back and reread, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I found it very impressive. Rick, um, as some of the loonies will know, is a massive Dark Horse fan. I, I I think that's a an understatement, isn't that, Rick? 
understatement. <laughs> um, but it, that is a fantastic trade. I remember reading it off the back of Rick's recommendation. Um, and yeah, it, it is a really good read. And um, I think, Rick, you mentioned the same creative team are doing the upcoming Sleepwalker um, mini. Is that correct? Continuation. Continuation? Oh, what do you, what do you mean? The, like... Uh... If I don't want to spoil it, but oh. something happens at the end of uh, Infinity Countdown Dark oh, Hawk and it okay. leads into Sleepwalker. Okay. Oh, right. fantastic. Oh, well, I mean, well, it's a good team. Um, Sleepwalker has been away for so long, very 90s. Uh, and it's uh, and it's a pretty good trade to pick up, Rick. And it's um, very apt as well, because tonight we have a very cool arc review, which is Round Robin, from the pages of The Amazing Spider-Man, issues 353 to 358, I think. Um, six-parter. And uh, it has none other than Dark Hawk there. No Sleepwalker, though, so that's... Um... Breaks my heart. I know, I know. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into it, but um, it's such a 90s arc, isn't it? So I'm surprised he didn't show up. Um, um, yeah, Josh, as well, I noticed on the... ITK Facebook group, you made a, a pretty cool purchase yourself. Yeah, I, I got the whole the the whole six issue Fist of Conchu run. Um, I had the issues three through five already, but I found it pretty cheap to get the whole run again. So, so mm. I've been, actually been reading through that the past couple of days. Ah, right, reacquainting yourself with that. Um, I believe I remember is it uh, is it David Warner? I think it wrote it or drew it. One or the um, other. I think I he, think he was he was the Chris Warner. Chris is Warner, the artist. Okay, the not... writer is writer is Alan Zelenitz. Oh, okay, yeah. So sorry, not not Dave Warner for the Aussie listeners there. Not the not the Australian cricketer. I got I got it mistaken. Chris Warner <laughs> would be amazing though. <laughs> would be what a multi talented guy. Um, but yeah, so you're you're enjoying the the reread, Josh. Um. Well, this is my. Well, I, I had the issues three for five, but I never read them because I wanted to get the whole mm, thing. So, yeah. I'm getting right into it. Um, it is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's different because it's more of like a, I guess you could say, like more like traditional superhero stuff. Like he gets, like he does get like super strength and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of cool because you can just see him just punching guys like a hundred feet. Yeah. Which is obviously not what we're used to, but it's kind of cool to see it that way. Yeah. So it's obvious. Yeah, good. No, no, sorry. No, go on. <laughs> I was gonna say it, it. So it's cool to see a different, a different take on it. Like this is kind of like the most different from what we've all kind of read. Like we don't. He doesn't have like super strength and all the other stuff we read. Mm. So kind of seeing him have that is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a nice little snippet in his in his canon. Um, I also remember he's got a lot of funky, like gadgets, more Egyptian, really Egyptian um, leanings. Like he's got, uh, I don't know if you come up with it yet, there, Chris, but he's got that that anchor around his neck. He's got, uh, I think he's got the the boomerang. He's got like an Egyptian boomerang. He's got these yep. gold weapons, which um, are pretty funny. And and there are still nods to it. You see it uh, even in the latest runs. Um, you know whether you see it in his moon cave or not. They always do nod to it. So. It's memorable, uh, if not a very divisive arc, I guess. Um, Rick, uh, I'm assuming you've read this uh, this run as well. I've only read one issue. I've read the issue. I think it's issue three where he's fighting the pirate-looking guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've um, actually read. Yeah, it's been a while since that was something. Yeah, and that's Morpheus is the third issue. I think it's the fourth issue. I think. Okay. 
And uh, have you have you read? Are you, you're up to that, Josh, as well. Uh, I'm I'm currently reading the third issue right now. Oh, okay, third issue. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested. I can't remember. It's been a while. I just can't remember what the hell that pirate has to do with anything. But um, who knows? It's a bit of a wacky run, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Um, look, the past week as well. Uh, I've managed. Actually, I've recorded another Isla Ra. So, Looney's keep your he is out for that. That will be out, uh, I think, next week or so. Um, very cool. Uh, it's um, our special guest there is uh, Phil Perich. For some of you may know, he's the one of the hosts on Capes and Lunatics podcast, which is a, a collective member. So that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, a little um, a little side project. Look, I might give it a little plug now, uh, and I'll probably play the ad anyway. Um, uh, we managed to record our first episode of Last Sons of Krypton, so I band together with another Connor, Connor from the Sons of the Dragon Immortal Iron Fist podcast. And we, um, well, Connor's a massive Superman fan, so uh, we go through Action 1000, I think, in the first episode. That's a big episode. So, yeah, those those are keeping me busy, as well as, you know, just life in general. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's been pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, also, just look, a bit of housekeeping as well, loonies. Uh, some of you, again, may have seen on the show, oh, sorry, on the on the Facebook group. Uh, I don't know where it's come from, guys, but it's really good. We've, we've got an influx of members. Uh, I counted in the past week alone, just from last week, we've got something like 70 members have come in, which is really cool. Uh, what it does mean, though, is I'm unable to, or we're unable to, Kind of welcome them. We used to welcome them individually. <laughs> so uh, I started doing that still and just noticed that the um, ITK group was just flooded with, with you know, images of Moon Knight, but, you know, welcomes to members. Uh, and I felt that, you know, some of the discussions and threads kind of get lost amongst that. So speaking to the other admins, so we have another couple of admins as well, um, we'll, we'll just bundle them together. We'll still kind of accepting them all in, but um, there won't be like a, a post. There'll be like a group post every few days so as not to clog up uh, the the thread. So, uh, yeah, just a little housekeeping there. Um, also, I just wanted to give a plug to the collective again. So, so Rick and Josh, uh, I think I know, Josh, we spoke about it not that long ago, but um, do either of you, you know, listen to a lot of the other collective podcasts by any chance? Uh, Rick? uh, I oh sorry, Josh. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I actually don't know. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I like to get into some other ones, but I just I just haven't had the time to. Yeah, no, no, no worries. And how about yourself, Rick? On occasion, mm-hmm. when I get the chance, I'll listen to other ones. Yep, yep, no worries. Well, uh, let me pitch this to both of you. <laughs> um, the collective are doing really good work at the moment, uh, and there are a couple of. Um, Really interesting things happening, I guess. Uh, so, for instance, I was just scouring it because I, I try to listen to as many of them as I can as well. Um, our good friends at the Defenders TV podcast—they are obviously they're still reviewing the Netflix Iron Fist series. Um, they also have a new segment called Strange Tales, which is really cool. So they're actually dipping into comic book reviews now. Um, very Doctor Strange centric because John's a huge Doctor Strange fan. But I've noticed the latest episode—they. Um, they reviewed uh, Web of Venom um, because of the Nick Fury appearance there. So Derek, uh, the other 
one of the co-hosts as well. He's a huge uh, Shield fan. Um, so yeah, they're doing great stuff. Atalan Rising, which is the Inhumans podcast, they uh, they've just recently released their fiftieth episode, which is a is an awesome milestone. Uh, Capes and Lunatics, who I mentioned earlier, they have a cool interview with Fabian Nicieza. Now, um, yeah, Rick, yeah, I'm sure that would have perked your ears up. <laughs> uh, Fabian, uh, very uh, very synonymous with the '90s. Um, Josh, have you are you familiar with Fabian Nicieza? Oh yeah, he. Um, mm. I think I know him because he did. I think the run on the New Warriors. I think. Yes. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And a fantastic art by Mark Bagley, um, which again we'll get to with this awesome run. Uh, Rick, did you have a did you have a favorite Nicieza run or? Or what do you know? Yeah. But I think my favorite one has to be his X Force stuff. Yes, yeah, he's, he's pretty good with X Force, and and this interview I had to listen is really good. It's very insightful. So. Guys, you know, um, if anything, check out that interview from Capes and Lunatics. He's a uh, very forthcoming, uh, but he's also very honest about the industry as well. So, a little bit of an eye opener um, through the through the eyes of Fabian Nicieza. Also, massive. He, I mean, as I mentioned, uh, Sons of the Dragon, Immortal Iron Fist podcast, hosted by Connor and uh, and the likes of Rebecca as well, and Carl. Uh, they have just interviewed the showrunner of Netflix Iron Fist, M. Raven Metzner. So that should be up soon. I believe it's not up at the moment, um, but I remember chatting with Connor and uh, he had a, it was a five o'clock in the morning interview he had with Raven. So um, that's hard. Yeah, Josh, that's uh, that's what happens when you live in Australia, I guess. Um, you've got to work to crazy hours, but he was stoked at it. And he actually... He told me he was very impressed. Um, you know, Connor wasn't the, the biggest fan of the show. Uh, either of you guys watched the whole season already, or? Oh, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick, sorry, no from you? I, I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not the, you weren't the fan of the, the first one, right? I wasn't a fan. I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Well, the second one is good. It's, it's a lot better than the... I find a lot better than the first one. But there are a lot of, uh, how shall we say, controversial um, choices that Metzner has done. Um, Josh, would you agree or did you enjoy it? Um, I, uh, not, not that much. I, I, I kept hearing a lot of people say that it's so... Like it's really good, and that like the villain is really good, and I, yeah. I did not agree at all. <laughs> oh, uh, as in um, Davos? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just. Even though this was shortened down to ten episodes, which is nice, mm-hmm. I still thought it was too long. Like I still think that the the story they had they sh- they still stretched it too long. Oh. Like they they could have. I think I think they could have shortened this whole arc down to maybe six or seven episodes. Okay. Right, yeah. And not not as a, I'm not going to spoil anything, but mm-hmm. just uh, towards the very end, they have a little bit of a time jump. Yep. Yes. And then the, <clears throat> a little bit that happens after that. See, I think now what they they could what would have been interesting is that they would have showed what happened in that time jump instead of just saying, "Oh well, we've been doing this for how many months?" Mm. Like that would have been more interesting. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, I saw it as a bit of a teaser as to we'll probably get a lot of that in the next season. You know, touch wood. Um, uh, look, I did. I did like um, 
Typhoid Mary. I thought she was really, really good. Uh, again, I'm sure there'll be people saying, you know, she's not exactly like she is in the comics, but I think Alice Eve did a great job. But but anyway, um, you know, pulling that back anyway, so Connor spoke to Metzner, the, the showrunner. Connor was very uh, cynical, I guess, and you'd say disappointed at the season, but he came away with a better understanding after speaking with Metzner, knowing that Metzner actually is a a huge Iron Fist fan, so he's got cred. Um, so that that's very comforting to know as well. Um, also as well, just finally, again from the collective, I uh, just want to make mention the Signal of Doom, our good friends there with Dave and Stu. Uh, Dave's still in Hawaii. He's loving it over there. Um, I'm sure sipping on cocktails and climbing volcanoes and stuff like that. But, um, but Stu released an episode, I think it's the latest episode, or one just recent, uh, and they, it's basically just a round table of he and a couple of his mates playing, I think it's a card game or a role-playing game called Munchkin. Have you guys heard of that game? No. No? Rick? I've seen it. <laughs> You've seen, yeah, I've seen the pack of cards as well. I uh, I see it at the store. I think it's, um, I, I have no idea how it's played, but I thought it was a very interesting and innovative episode that they did, like. So you're kind of like a fly on the wall in this in this card game that they play. So I'm going to have to save my pennies and, and get a, a pack of Munchkin, I think. Um, and, yeah, I think you can expand the game by buying more cards, blah, blah, blah. But, it, uh, yeah, it, it looks pretty good. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, the Collective, we are part of them as well. So, as always, we've got links to the Collective. Um, please check them out. And, uh, and, guys, I hope at least... Maybe check out those interviews with Fabian Nicieza and, and Metzner. They're really good. I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, all right, now, sorry, guys, uh, just going through another quick little bit here. Now, we've, I've moved the spectacle up to um, an earlier segment, only because we have a bit of news as well. Um, as you know, we have the likes of the Loonies, um, we have Rick yourself, we have Josh yourself, um, uh, from the Looney community, uh, joining in and, you know, absolutely welcome anyone to come on the show. We keep this, um, this, uh, this podcast, a communal thing, and we're so happy that another Looney member, Noel Tate, uh, I've been chatting to Noel and he's a, a guitarist and a lead singer of a band uh, actually, and they're called Delita and, um, Noel had posted something up on the ITK Facebook group as well of his Bandcamp website for Delita. Really cool music. And anyway, we'll be actually showcasing uh, or using a lot of their music thanks to their generosity uh, for the show. So can't wait to use it for, you know, the likes of Over the Moon, um, for Tommy's news segment coming up. And uh, and eventually we are looking at revamping our um, our opening and closing theme. So exciting times ahead there. Um uh, so, I mean, we'll also have all the links to Delita, the the, um, the band, um, in our episode, and also uh, in the ITK Facebook group and page. Uh, and, you know, what better way to get introduced to Delita's music than a song itself? So, Noel is a very big comic book fan. He tells me he's a, a big Moon Knight fan, of course, um, as big a fan um, of Spider-Man as well, so... He's going to have his ears glued to the uh, the podcast here, guys. We're going to have to do good for Round Robin. Um, but um, I'm just going to throw it to one of their songs. It's one of their singles from their latest album, Levitate the Pen- uh, Pentagon. 
And it's uh, the song's called Dr. Jonathan Osterman. Now, I'm going to throw it to um, Rick and then Josh. A little pop quiz. Does anyone pick up the reference there? No. Uh, no, Rick? No? How about you, Josh? Did you pick up yeah. Dr. Jonathan? No. <laughs> does it Does it ring a bell? No? Um, I think otherwise known as Dr. Manhattan. Um, so... Oh. Yeah, so reference, oh. yeah, reference to Watchmen. Uh, it's also got other tracks um, referencing, I think, the Cancerverse and uh, the Watcher. So it's all pretty cool. So if you like comics and you like your music, you like good music, go check out Delita. Um, but in the meantime, just check out this song called Doctor Jonathan Osterman. Specifically, 
chatter in the skull because it isn't words. Perpetual and compulsive repetition of words because it isn't words. Of reckoning and calculation. It isn't material. That's just an idea. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. What is reality? Reality is this. That's to say, we confuse signs, words, numbers, symbols and ideas with the real world. This is a disaster. Yes, that was a song from uh, Delita, a um, a band affiliated now with Into the Night, uh, with the lead, uh, the frontman Noel Tate. Uh, we're very glad to have as one of our loonies. So thank you, Delita. Please check them out. All right, guys, we are getting t- we are getting there. <laughs> um, uh, we are edging towards the uh, the review that we're all here for. Um, just one other final thing. We have a bit of news, and as always, we have a little regular segment um, from the words of Tommy, our man on the street. So I'm just going to throw it quickly to Tommy to to give us the latest on Moon Knight news. Take it away, Tommy. Loonies, it's the man on the street with the word on the street. Just today, Max Bemis tweeted what may be a bunch of nonsense, saying, I called on my man Rich, master of that bleeding cooldom, to discuss the process that went into writing the last two Moon Knight issue. How it tied into quote-unquote leaving my band, as well as to drop hinty things about the graphic novel I'm whittling away at. Stay tuned. Of course, an interesting comment from Bemis as his Moon Knight run comes to a close. I do look forward to the potential article and interview, but Max Bemis's run on Moon Knight is all but confirmed with that comment. Paul Davidson, artist on Moon Knight issue 199 and previously on the collective issues, helped preview issue 199 on Twitter. Comicosity.com also has the full preview, including text and several pages worth of content. It looks spicy, but the man on the streets is a Wednesday warrior. I'm saving my surprises for a few days. Looking forward to the High Priest's discussion. In otherwise good news for all loonies, hardcovers of the Lemire, Smallwood, and Belair run of Moon Knight circa 2016 are shipping. Pick yours up through order at your local comic shop. Oversized, hard-covered, straight baller. As it goes, that's the word on the street from your man on the street. Keep your ear close to the ground, loonies, and an ever-watchful gaze on Kanchu's eye of the moon. Thank you, Tommy. That was a word on the street by your man on the street, Tommy. Another well done segment. Guys, I wanted your thoughts on the Lemire hardcover. Um, 
intent on picking it up? Have, has anyone picked it up yet? Uh, Josh, have you have you got yourself a nice copy? Uh, I just have the three individual trades. Yep. Usually, usually once I have it in trade form, I usually don't ah, buy yeah. the hardcover ones. Uh, no, no, no. Plus, they don't fit my they don't fit my shelf either. The hardcover ones. So. Yeah, they're oversized, aren't they? <laughs> but that's a it's a good thing because Smallwood's art is is awesome actually in it. That nice glossy paper and and it's a little bigger. Um, Rick, did you? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You probably have multiple copies of this run anyway. Honestly, I'm looking at it. I'm sort of tempted to buy it right now. But I got my overseas trip soon, so maybe uh, after it. Well, I tell you what, I'm surprised because Aussie dollars. Um, please bear in mind, loonies. Um, it comes in at about fifty bucks, Rick. Or actually, with the the discount at Kings, it comes at even less, like forty five bucks. It's pretty cheap for a hardcover, and considering that's like tempting. Yeah, considering it's fourteen issues, like that's a full, that's a big amount of you know amount of pages right there. So, uh, you know, don't want to. Um, <laughs> Don't want to draw you short for your trip overseas, Rick, but uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, try the lottery or something and get some bit bit more extra cash, extra coinage. Um, and also, yeah, Tommy mentioned the preview one ninety nine. Now I spoke quickly to you guys. Uh, not a fan of the previews. No one's no one's read it. Josh, um, you steer clear. Yeah, I like going in with a with a clean slate. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, you didn't peek at all. You didn't even like flick through it. Nope. Ah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm the same. Uh, Rick, yourself, did you manage to have a little cheeky peek? I actually like getting going into a book, getting surprised by it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yes, yes, Rick. Um, yeah, me too. Look, truth be known, I think Connor, out of both of us, um, he he has a nice little nice little look. I think he can't wait. I mean, he's a you know, he's a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed fella. You know, he's got the, the energy of youth. He's probably just um, <laughs> probably keen to get it underway. So anyway, there is a preview of 199 released. Um, I believe it was from CBR, I think. Uh, I will have a link anyway. Um, check it out if you want. But fear not, it's um, it's only a week away. So our next episode will cover the latest release for that. So uh, don't worry. But those are, that's that's basically the news that Tommy covered. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, again, guys, a little short break, and we'll we'll be right back for our over the moon. All right. Well, let me ask you this then: If there was one comic character you'd want to spread the good word on, who would it be? Hmm. Look, that would have to be Superman. He is your bastion of good behaviour. Yeah, I reckon Super. I mean. I was going to say Moon Knight. Moon Knight, he's alright. Moon Knight, he wants to fight. A Moon Knight. Uh, I thought, I mean, I think he's a really good role model, but whatever. Superman, Superman makes sense, I guess. Yeah, probably Superman then. Fine, I'll agree. Hi, I'm Connor, a fan of truth, justice, and the Australian way. And I'm Ray, Lex Luthor sympathizer and brainiac groupie. And we're your hosts for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast where two Australians, one super fan and one newbie to Superman, cover everything, anything Superman. And it's going to be awesome. We're even going to dress up as Superman. Um, I'll probably be more like Bizarro, but sure. 
So coming soon, make sure you guys keep an ear out. Look forward to catching you then. Hello, welcome back, everybody. You are here listening to the High Priest of Ray, as well as two awesome loonies with us. We have Rick the Rickball Special, and we have Josh Geronimo Johnson joining us. You are probably familiar with their voices, as they have been on the show before, but they there is no better guest, the guests, to have for our review of Round Robin, a sidekick's revenge than these two guys. Uh, Josh, you actually um, hosted an ITK episode yourself with a, a good friend of yours not that long ago, and it was a, almost a Round Robin prelude, wasn't it? Uh, that was the title I made up for. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, it sows the seeds uh, for this whole arc. Um, I didn't realize till after the episode came out that in the couple following issues of that um there's a little bit like a couple pages in between like the next couple issues that sort of really so the see like connect the end of that arc and the start of this one okay um but that's i didn't i think it was it was more it was, yeah sorry <laughs> i didn't think it was important enough to bring up yeah uh, no, that, that's bring up again. That's fine, and look, we'll get into it as well. Um, look, I've got to, I've got to have a bit of a smirk at this run because of its, uh, its age and stuff. But um, full credit, as you said, those issues that you covered could be seen as a prelude. But there's no shortage of reminders in this actual arc about you know storylines and everything. <laughs> um, synonymous with the '90s, there's a lot of recap, um, and this was before the age of. Um, let's remember, you know, before the age of having that paragraph. You know, before um, at the beginning of the of an issue, as a recap, um, in the comics they tended to just recap within the comic itself. So you get a lot of repetitive, um, st- you know, uh, I guess storytelling. And and over these six issues, that's absolutely the case as well. Rick, you are a massive fan of the '90s. We have covered that as well. A big Dark Hawk fan. Uh, you do like your Night Thrasher as well, yeah. Oh yeah, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, I don't want to go there. I won't touch that. Um, but but have you got? Because um, you're a big figure collector as well. Do you do you have a Hasbro of of? Um, I know you have it of Dark Hawk. How about any of the others? Surprisingly, there's. I don't think there's any for Night Thrasher. No. Oh, how about Nova? Do you have Nova? Nova though. Sorry, sorry. What was I it? think. What was that? I think they did have a. They did have a Nova one come out with the Guardians of the Galaxy line, I think. Oh, yes. A couple years ago. I think so. Yeah. But, I mean, that Dark Hawk one's pretty impressive. I'm sure you've got a Spider-Man one, yeah? And a Punisher one, surely. And or a Punisher. You do have Punisher? Sorry. You... <laughs> what was that, Rick? Spider-Man or a Punisher. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, well... This should be right up your alley then. Let's get right in it. Um, Looney's The Phase of the Moon, it's a waxing gibbous, as mentioned. So we are obligated by Conchu to cover a trade arc review as per following the phases of the moon. Um, so, Josh, um, would you would you mind giving us the 
credentials or credits for this, um, like where it's available on as well? Uh, okay, yeah, you can pretty much... I uh, know that there is an Epic collection that is named after this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just called... It's the 22nd volume, uh, which is just titled Round Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has um, issues number 351 to 360. And also some of the annuals, mm-hmm. so Amazing Spider-Man Annual 25, Spectacular Spider-Man Annual 11, and Web of Spider-Man uh, number 7. Um, I, I know that there is a, it does have its own trade paperback too, you can find. I've seen it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's one of the ones, well, I think it was released actually in the 90s. Oh, okay. Uh, so you can probably find that somewhere probably. Yeah. And then you can find these issues Probably in your and at your comic book stores probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, so yeah, so this was released uh, from November to December of 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Al Milgram, artist is the great Mark Bagley. Mm-hmm. Colors is Bob Sharon. Letter Joe Rosen, and editor is Danny Fingeroff. Excellent, and uh, and as you know, as we are sentimental of sorts, we for trade reviews. We're trying to reinstill, I guess, the old over-the-moon format as well. So we have a bit of a bare bones here, and it's courtesy of the Comic Vine wiki page. Uh, because uh, let's face it, six issues I could not <laughs> didn't have enough time to write it all myself. Uh, but this is a pretty good synopsis of the um, of the issues in hand. So uh, I'll let Josh take it away to begin with. Josh, give it a go. Yeah, so the story opens with Midnight, Moon Knight's old sidekick, fighting a group of martial artists in front of the Secret Empire. They have turned him into a cyborg to use as a weapon for their organization. Meanwhile, Peter Parker is with Mary Jane at Aunt May's house, and he decides to go for a swing around town. At the same time, Chris Powell, a.k.a. Darkhawk, is visiting his father's old police precinct when Midnight bursts through the wall. He is there to free Ellie Franklin, a.k.a. Thunderball, Chris changes to Darkhawk, and they take the fight outside. Meanwhile, Punisher is questioning a thug in an alley about the Secret Empire. Spidey stumbles upon Darkhawk and Midnight fighting, and joins in. But Midnight escapes with Elliot by threatening the lives of the group of spectators. But Spider-Man and Darkhawk save the onlookers from Midnight's attack, though he managed to escape. Luckily, Spider-Man got a tracer onto him before he did. Midnight returns to the Secret Empire with Elliot and is annoyed they are not more grateful for his work. Meanwhile, Spider-Man asks Captain America to help him get in contact with Moon Knight, and he informs him of Midnight's return. With the Secret Empire wanting to recruit superpowered beings, Midnight approaches Nova, but Spider-Man shows up and they all end up fighting. Again, Midnight escapes his target, leaving Spidey with two latecomers, Moon Knight and Night Thrasher. Midnight takes Spider-Man and Night Thrasher after Midnight upon his Mooncopter following him with the spider tracer that was planted on him into the secret hidden empire entry with a still unconscious Nova, but not without Punisher spotting him. And the Punisher says they blew his cover as they are surrounded by hidden empire soldiers. Soldiers until Midnight reappears. The Seekers also show up and they distract the heroes while Midnight makes an escape. Midnight returns to the Secret Empire's main headquarters and they discover the Spider Tracer, destroying it, about adding some more upgrades to him. Meanwhile, Lynn Church secretly asks a tactician to devise into Midnight's spine, 
when he when when he's doing the upgrades. Sabotages the Empire's jamming signal and Nova manages to get the message out to the Thrasher. Triangulates the signal and they locate the secret Empire's HQ. Punisher, stay be- Punisher stays behind as he is too weak from the last fight. Way through the countless Empire soldiers. Meanwhile, Lin informs Midnight that she disabled the pain inducer while they were operating on him and he takes the opportunity to take the lead on the Empire. Heroes, but is damaged in the process and flees. The Empire flees in the ship and when Moon Knight and the others return to the copter they discover Punisher is missing and assuming he sneaked aboard the Empire's ship. Spider-Man, Moon Knight and Night Thrasher decide to head to their respective homes while they wait for word from Punisher or Nova. Meanwhile Punisher is aboard the Empire ship disguised as number three though he's still woozy from the energy leech. He manages to find Nova and cut the power to his bonds. He then heads to a meeting with Midnight and the others. Nova escapes, setting off an alarm in the process, but calls Thrasher, who then calls the others. They all arrive at the Empire base and battle. The heroes are getting the upper hand until Lin reveals that she too is a cyborg. In the final battle, Lin reveals that she was simply using Midnight as a guinea pig for her own upgrades, much to Midnight's dismay. The Seekers soon arrive to add even more heat to the fire. Towards the end, only Spider-Man and the two cyborgs remain, with Thunderbolt watching from the sidelines. They get the better of Spider-Man, but Lin reveals that she has a pain inducer for Midnight and uses it against him. She is stopped by Thunderbolt, but Midnight lashes out, destroying the support columns for the warehouse. The heroes recover just in time to escape, though Lin and Midnight are crushed by the rubble. Yes, so that was, you know, in a compact version, what happened over a span of six issues here. Um, look, I'm just going to throw it out there first. Rick, uh, what, did you, what did you think of, of this whole arc in general? It was really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do feel it went a bit too long, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I thought that first myself. Like, in my in my um, my memory, it was like a really long arc. And then going back, I was surprised it was only six issues, which we know is a standard, like, six-issue, you know, arc, which they do these days to bundle up in trades. Uh, in my memory, I thought it was a lot longer. So I had the actually the opposite when I reread it. Uh, when I first read it, very much like you, Rick. Uh, how about yourself, Josh? Oh, I I have said that this is like my favorite arc of all time. Mm. <laughs> mostly, mostly because of I mean, not mostly, but partially because of nostalgia. Because um, mm-hmm. when I was uh, when I was on my first episode, I was on with you that I said how. Um, Issue number three fifty six, which is part four of this, was one of the first comics I ever bought. Yeah, so I have some nostalgia for that. And then I went back and bought all these. So I've been, so I've had this arc for going on fifteen years now, and yeah. I've read it so many times. So yeah. I think it's just one of those things where it's burned into me. So mm. yeah, I will always have a love for it. <laughs> I think you're lucky as well that you know you're saying nostalgia, but 
you've picked a really I think you picked a really solid arc to to fall into like when you said you you got 356 say um just cuz I mean Mark Bagley's art I've got to say uh, this is my favourite sort of Mark, Mark Bagley art, the Amazing Spider-Man era and the New Warriors era, so early 90s. Uh, he's just fantastic, um, and I'm not sure if it's him and the Inca that make it so, but it's just so clean and crisp, and it's just really nice to look at. And, and this story is fun as well. It's um, There's a lot of action. You can't deny that there's any shortage of action. Uh, but it's also very... I know, I was about to say very... Um, it's of its time, but then I'm reminded that you have the likes of, you know, Ghost Rider issues out there. You have like Punisher issues out there, and it's kind of not like this. So I wonder if it's Al Milgram uh, and his quirkiness, because it's very quirky. I find you know like, the amount of puns in this whole arc is hilarious. I just I was I was kind of cataloging them. I don't know if you guys um I don't know if you guys like. Just we're overwhelmed with the puns, like got a first, pun sheet ready. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's it, straight off the bat. Like in the first uh, issue, you got Dark Hawk, and we thought Spider Man did all the puns. It's actually coming from everyone else. Uh, Spider Man has kind of a little bit of a few puns here and there, but most of them come from Midnight and Dark Hawk, and uh, and even the Punisher as well. So Dark Hawk. Um, <laughs> He meets Midnight, and the first thing he says is, don't have a stroke, you know? Boom, boom, you can almost hear, you can almost hear it. And, and not only that, but the, the panel after Midnight, and this is what I find hilarious. Um, they are aware of their puns, and they comment about it afterwards. So Midnight's going, stroke of Midnight, huh? Where do you superheroes get your pun, uh, your materials, puns are us? It's just this really crazy banter, which I don't think you'll find... These days, unless, of course, you're in a Deadpool comic or, or maybe a Spidey comic still. But um, it's crazy. And, like, you know, only a couple of panels after, um, Midnight is hurling a hunk of asphalt at, at Dark Hawk. And uh, Dark Hawk says, if only I knew what a quip meant, equipment, uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's, it's so it bad. sounds so dumb when you hear it out loud than when you're reading it. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. It's hilarious. Um, so yeah, I, I'm loving the puns and and the action's just really really cool as well. Um, what do you guys think of uh, Rick? Say depictions of your, of your favorite characters. Um, any standouts for you? Because there's a huge cast here. Oh yeah. See, um, Moon Knight's the obvious one. Mm-hmm. But honestly, even though Dark Hawk's not in it much, he's done really well. Yeah. He pops up in the first issue, then he, I think he pops up again in the fifth issue. So he, he goes, dis- he disappears for a bit. Um, but of course, <laughs> of course, uh, I'm, I'm no surprise that you picked Dark Hawk there, which is fantastic. Um, Josh, how about yourself? Um, any favorite depictions? Um, I mean, I, I kind of like all of them, really, because mm. like this, like this. Again, this whole arc kind of set my kind of fandom for all these characters. Yeah. So these are all like the, I guess like the top notch depictions of all of them for me. Yeah. But yeah. if I had to pick, if I had to pick one, I, I I think I actually say Night Thrasher. Yeah, he he is fleshed out a little bit in this, isn't he? Like he does get a, a bit of a meat in the in the script. Um, wh- why so? Was it was it because he's brooding or? Um, I think he's. I, I, 
I, partially because I really like his look. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think like his his armor looks really cool. Yeah, and his uh, and his like his helmet I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he because he's like the he he's, he's kind of always like just set on the mission, and he kind of doesn't really care how it gets done. But like so he. Like he has like this mission to basically save Nova from the Secret Empire, yeah. And he kind of doesn't really care. There's even one instance where he's like, he's willing to almost get crushed by a door to try to get through it. Yes, that's I mean, right. granted, it's a good thing he doesn't. But yeah, yeah, he has to be pulled but... back by Spidey um, because he he just got kind of blinkered by trying to get save his mate Nova. And and it's um, alluded to as well that they had a little bit of a. Well, Nova says that they're building fences, so their relationship, Nova and, and Night Thrasher, within the New Warriors was tenuous anyway at best, but you see the loyalty, I guess, that Night Thrasher has for his teammate, which is good, and it just runs throughout this whole... That That is one of the, I guess, one of the threads that runs throughout this whole story. I mean, the, the main one, obviously, is, um, well, for our, our eyes, is Moon Knight kind of coming to terms with his sidekick, like the sidekick's revenge, Um and there's yeah, and then there's also I guess the Punisher trying to take on uh, the the Secret Empire as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like I like the Punisher's uh, involvement in here, and and although he's not, you know, he's not the Punisher Max by any means. Um, he, he still he still keeps his dark edges, and um, I found a little inconsistency though because there's a, um, I mean there's oh, there's like inconsistencies, a plenty, but. Did you pick up as well, like, the Punisher seems to only have respect for Night Thrasher, and he calls all the others, you know, soft-hearted, soft-headed bozos. But I thought he and and Moon Knight were pretty, you know, were pretty uh, close-knit. I mean, both having, yeah, yeah, military training, I would have thought, um, yeah, the Punisher would have had more of a a lining with Moon Knight than a... Than a rich teenager, basically, in a lot of of suits. So, um, I was unfamiliar. I think there was... Sorry, Rick? When I was reading it, I noticed that our Punisher was completely different. It was focusing more on Night Thrasher mm, instead yeah. of like Moon Knight, how their personalities are. I'm like, that's not right. That's a bit weird. Yeah. Well, I I think because if you've read the New Warriors, mm. I think in issues like seven through nine, Punisher is like a guest star in there, and right. Punisher and Night Thrasher go at each other, and Night Thrasher pretty much beats the Punisher until Punisher pulls a gun and shoots him right in the stomach. Oh wow! Um, so so like they go toe to toe, and Night Thrasher pretty much almost comes out on top. Right. So I think there's a little bit of respect there. I mean, they they do end up teaming up to take down a, I forget who it is. I think it's is it Bengal. I think who's like right. a, some sort some sort of assassin or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And also, and uh, in the uh, in the the round robin prelude. Uh, Moon Knight and, and Punisher, like they fight each other three times within two issues. So I, I, I don't think they will ever get along. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And I was thinking, no, there was a, a reference to the the New Warriors issues uh, in this about. So yeah, there must be a, a fresh, you know, interaction between Punisher and um, and Night Thrasher. I was just thinking, Josh, I was just going through in my head there. You know that. So the Round Robin Prelude, like, you know, as as titled by yourself from the Mark Spector, so that was pre-91, was it? It must have been. Yeah, that, oh, okay. that was, 
I think that was that must have been a couple months before, not too much. Yeah, yeah. Because that, this, yeah. this came out. Sorry, God. <laughs> no, no, that's right. This came out um, uh, ninety one. November, I think the other one came out. Um, I think it came out early ninety one. I think. Okay, because yeah, Punisher and Moonlight they do um, clash more than once as well. There's that. There's that really cool. Um, I think it's a Punisher annual, right? With the that pink cover with Moonlight and Punisher. I wonder if that is after this. And then there's the Blood Brothers um, in Mark Spector, which is later on, which I'm assuming is after this. Uh, and Punisher and, and Moon Knight again. Again, they always seem to fight for a little bit, and then they make up. Um, and and actually, having said that, um, Spider Man calls it out here as well. Um, not not Punisher and Moon Knight, but he says uh, something along the lines of, "As popular as it is for heroes to fight each other, you know, I think we should just call it." I think it was Moon Knight and Night Thrasher, and uh, I just had to laugh at that as well because. You know, we've seen that so many times, and it culminated in civil war and and all that. Um, but it is a, a a very tropey thing for heroes to to have a go at each other. So um, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, also, as well, the interactions um, interactions between. Oh no, we've kind of covered that. I thought maybe um, I thought maybe also Al Milgram's writing appears a little outdated. Um, so we are in the early 90s, and I remember being a, a young fella in the early 90s. Look, I never used um, I never used terms like dweeb and jive and, and all that. Um, I think this is Al Milgram's age showing, so it's, it's obviously an older man trying to speak the hip, hip, you know, hip new talk of the youth. But I guess that can, that happens, you know, constantly, doesn't it? Like, uh, like even in today's comics. Um well, that's kind yeah. of a thing that's always happened in comics. Mm. I've, I forgot, I forget who I heard said it, but um, they were talking about even comics back in like the '60s or whatever, mm. and they were saying how the uh, like some of the lingo didn't work because it's like lingo from like the '40s being used in the '60s yeah. because it's forty-year-old guys writing books for ten-year-old kids. Mm. Yeah, I get, the, yeah. I guess it's just natural that they do that. Um, as well um also as well so talk about the characters how about the villains what do we think of of midnight uh rick did you find him uh, a formidable character yes i did actually also i want to say this now i think his costume is really cool mm, yeah i'd agree like there are no pouches and there are no ponytails to be seen so i'm happy like you know that's a minus though <laughs> yeah but it's pretty slick isn't it i mean even the the face covering bit, you know, because you, I guess, with costume design, you can create an identity by how the headgear kind of looks. You know, that's one of the the main portions of design. Uh, it's just very, it's very sleek, isn't it? It's just all kind of and the yellow stood out the most. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, really cool use. Uh, yeah, his his eyes, right? You're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, really cool. Um, I found the Seekers pretty funny. Um, I just kept on thinking the Seekers, the band, um, and so I had the song "The Carnival Is Over" in my head every time that the Seekers made an appearance. But um, yeah, uh, a pretty, pretty generic lot of of armored villains, I'd say. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say, Josh? 
Yeah, they um, they made a couple other appearances. Actually, I was rereading this earlier today, and they actually made an appearance in an Iron Man issue. I went back and reread it, and yeah, yeah, they are kind of generic. They're kind of generic in there and here. They they look cooler in this issue than they do the other ones. And the other ones they look very big and clunky. This one they look kind of sleek. Yep. So they look cooler in here, but they're yeah, are they're they, kind of generic. Are they all? Are they all brothers? Because there's a they allude one of the two of them are at least brothers. Um, you know I don't remember if they touched on it. Oh okay, I don't maybe remember. yeah okay. Anyway, they're they're pretty <laughs> they they pretty much come and go. They're very much villains for hire i mean they first come in just as a point of distraction to the heroes and then as soon as that is accomplished they you know they piss off which is which is really really cool and then they turn up again when the heat is on towards the the climax as well um one of my favorite scenes there is when um the punisher is up against that um the sonic one uh because the punisher had a bit of a bit of a grudge against him because he gets he gets uh, his energy sapped from one of the the energy leeches that Sonic deploys on him. Uh but anyway, yeah, one of my favorite scenes is towards the end where I think it's Midnight accidentally a bit of friendly fire um shoots Sonic and freezes him and Punisher comes at him with a with a knife and the guy's gone, "Oh shit, you know, I've got the eye slits. I'm I'm open. He's going to you know, stab me in the eye." Punisher actually just flips it around, taps the suit, and it just crumbles. And then, and then, what I find hilarious is the guy. Um, I think it's similar, Josh. We discussed this in your Isla Ra with with the Iron Man stuff. Um, was that? Yeah, we did the Iron Man. Um, yeah, where he's just in his underwear, in his boxes. Uh, and so he's, oh yeah, yeah. So he's just standing there, and then Punisher just bashes him, and he goes flying. It was, <laughs> It was pretty, yeah, it was um, uh, a bit of over-the-top 90s goodness there, I thought. But, uh, yeah. I will, uh... Sorry? I was say, um, just jumping back to Midnight real quick, I, I think that he's actually a pretty cool villain because, um, just, just how formidable he is because each time he fights them, he kind of has a new kind of power mm. or a new, uh, advancement. So, like, at first he doesn't really have much then he gets like the jets and he gets like the rays that shoot out and then he gets like extend the arms yeah and uh and then he gets then he has like the freeze beam and stuff so i like that how each time it's kind of something different he has a different thing to fight them with yeah i like that moment where he's in free fall and nova is trying desperately to save him uh, because we've seen in the first issue when midnight tangles with uh spider-man and dark hawk that he doesn't have any flying capabilities, but I like that moment where his jets come into play and he just starts flying and you go, oh, shit, okay. Um, this guy can literally do anything because he can be upgraded every now and again. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, quite a, he's quite a cool villain, actually, and I'm glad we saw him later on in a very different capacity in the Houston run, uh, a lot darker, a lot more savage, uh, but he, he's a fun character. I, um, I couldn't quite get sold off his hatred for Moon Knight. Um, I just put it down to him just not being a, a totally understanding sort of guy. He, um, like, in that issue, he gets shot. Now, look, memory, I don't know if memory serves me correct, I thought he jumped in the line to get shot by the Secret Empire to save Moon Knight. So he did a heroic thing. Um, and that's when, right. and that's when he died, you know, in inverted commas. But then he kind of, in this whole arc, he blames Moon Knight for not trying to save him. Like, it's kind of like, 
you don't want to like he did a good deed like it's not like he's done that to expect something from Moon Knight if that makes sense I think he did it um, in this the flashback show that he jumped in in front of the like in front of the blast mm. but in in the in the actual story he he sort of jumps in front of Moon Knight not to take the blast but as in uh, like I'm the one you want not him ah uh, right 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 yes. They, yeah. And then, and then the what, whichever the secret empire goon is, he just like, oh, okay, and then he just shoots him. Yeah. And yeah. then I guess, I guess he's pissed off because then, because then, because like when that happens, like the blast like knocks Moon Knight off of the ship. I guess he's kind of pissed that like he didn't come after him, even though he kind of did. Yeah. But yeah. he was told, he was told, oh, he's dead. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have believed him, but yeah, true. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, you're right as well. I think in the Moon Knight run. Um, Midnight was a little unhinged anyway. I mean, you know how he started, he stole Moon Knight's suit and he started parading around as Moon Knight and yeah, he he does he does get a little um he does get a little off center, I guess. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense that he's a bit and obviously having cybernetics kind of done to you, I guess plays with your plays with your mind as well. So he's he's probably a bit angry, um, you know, just yeah, that that's fair enough. Um, yeah, 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 but he's and, a, sorry. I was saying, and and, uh, and one more thing with with Midnight Two. I don't know if you guys kind of see it, but I see a lot of influence on the Winter Soldier from Midnight, ah. both visually and story wise. Right, because if you kind of if you look at like the Winter Soldier, I mean, at least in the in the movies, at least, yeah, um, he, he has like the long hair. He has like that the mask that covers like from like the eyes down, yeah, and they kind of look similar. And then obviously he has like the mechanical. Like the advancements, like the mechanical arm. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if um, when they were coming up with that, I wonder if they took any inspiration from this, or if it's just a coincidence. Yeah, possibly. I mean, for sure. I did. I didn't make the connection with with uh, the Winter Soldier, but towards the end, I did notice that Midnight's hair was longer and more like <laughs> flowy, like it's as you kind of see with, I guess, with Winter Soldier. But yeah, no, interesting point. Could well be. Um, uh, Midnight certainly has a lot more robotics kind of done to him as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure about his, yeah, his training. Well, he just trained with Moon Knight, I guess. Um, so that would be, yeah, yeah, his fighting abilities are fine. Um, also, Lin. Lin Church is the other big villain. Um, and what did everyone think? Rick, what did you think of that, that twist Towards the end, I first when first reading it as a child, mm-hmm. getting into that twist, it blew my freaking mind. Yeah, <laughs> that that's and I see yeah. it, but it still works. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, and she's got the same costume as Midnight as well, which kind of ties it. And uh, yeah, I, I found yeah, I found she was she was good. I found hilarious. I mean, because I just looking back at this thing, I always take it with a little tongue in cheek. So I love these little touches. You know how there's that mystery leading up in issues five or something, and she reveals her face to some people, so do this, and you know, put this in midnight, and she reveals her face, and the guy goes, oh my god, yeah, okay, I will, I will. Um, did anyone else laugh at the fact that, I thought it was, I thought it was because she was showing, like, some cybernetics, but it turns out she had, like, a glowing forehead with uh, the Secret Empire logo on it. <laughs> I mean, did anyone... I found that a bit hilarious myself. I thought, like, come on, that's a bit weak. 
I would have much preferred she actually show her glowy cybernetic eyes or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, did you like Lynn? Um, Josh, did you find her effective? Uh, I thought she was fine. Uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of cool to see to have two kind of cyborgs. But I, I didn't think she added all that much to it. I, 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 except for like the surprise twist. So it's kind of like a an M. Night Shyamalan kind of twist thing, but I don't, I thought it was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, reading this, <clears throat> sorry, before doing the reread, and just, you know, playing off my memory, because uh, obviously, you know, I remembered, you know, that Lynn was a cyborg and all that, um, before I did the reread, I was thinking, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, um, quick and convenient, like, twist at the end. Uh, but rereading it, I think it's pretty good. It actually, it's, she's actually set up quite well. I think from issues four onwards, where you start to see her do, you know, do stuff like you know, um, sabotage the operation, and and um, and then this mystery about her face. Uh, yeah, I thought she was. Yeah, I thought she was good. But I've got to say also as well, we have we have come leaps and bounds, haven't we, with um, I guess female characters in the comics because I got a little conscious of the fact that uh, Lynn is obviously a very strong character towards the end. She's a villain, albeit, but, um, you know, she, she goes toe-to-toe with the heroes. The only other female characters we get are MJ and Marlene. And uh, towards the end of the arc, they're pretty much used just for devices for, I think, like for sex. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you get yeah. that as well? There was a lot of sexual innuendo about, you know... You weren't complaining about my spider actions earlier. She goes, oh, yeah, but, you know, don't be quiet about that. And then with Marlene, as uh, Mark is talking to Conchu, you just see a silhouette of her, like in a, in a see-through um, negligee. And then, and then he whisks her off, and, and obviously they're, you know, they're going off to the bedroom for a bit of squeaky velvet. But that, um, I, found, I, found that, I found that pretty, like pretty much of the times, wasn't it? My favourite depiction of the female like female characters in this arc was actually Aunt May, because I had to laugh and laugh. I didn't realise she was a huge wrestling fan. Did you get that at the beginning? Like, she's glued to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, awesome. Like, so she she's hanging out with MJ, and, like, MJ's bored out of her skull, because Aunt May is bloody glued to the TV, looking watching The Incredible Hunk, I think was the, um, the first one. I think that's so cool. But yeah, I I just yeah, you know, you, you compare this to a lot of the other, like a lot of the characters now, a lot of the strong female characters now, and it's really a sign of the time, I think. Like I guess looking the... back at it now, I never noticed. Yeah, I didn't as well. I was rereading it. I was like, oh dear, what is this? Yeah, it's it's very apparent now, isn't it? But yeah, during the time, I guess, like when I was a young kid. Um, you know, you get your, your little bit of gratification because, you know, there's a bit of rumpy pumpy from Spider-Man and MJ just alluded to. It's like, oh yeah, you know, so as a young teenage boy, I guess that, I guess that, you know, that does it. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, um, did, did you notice that at all, Josh? Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, just, I don't know. Just, I, I don't know. I found it just apparent. Just the use of, the use of MJ and Marlene. Like Marlene is, Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely looking back, it's like yeah, they're yeah, they're pretty much only used just for um, 
for them to wind down after a tough day, basically. Yeah, which is strange because if you, I guess if you do look at the earlier, and again, it might be just down to Al Milgram, because if you look at the earlier Moon Knight, like Volume 1, uh, and also Mark Spector Moon Knight, um, you see Marlene is a very, obviously, uh, a very strong character, and, and uh, what's the term? The do-sex machina for, for Moon Knight a lot of the time. So it might be Mr. Milgram here um, with his, <laughs> his his way of writing that kind of shines through. But yeah, very distinct, I think. Um, yeah, and finally, oh, well, I mean, not finally, but the other last point I had was um, was you get not only a lot of the recap, but there was a lot of retelling. Like um, you get a lot of the, the history of Spider-Man and then you get... There's a little mont, a little splash of Punisher's origin as well, as well as then you get a lot of countless retellings of Night Thrasher and how his parents were murdered as well. Um, so yeah, I found the narrative for that uh, very repetitive um, and uh, not annoying, but it just kind of was kind of like yes, I've heard that already. Um, did you guys get that from reading, doing the reread as well? Oh yeah, see for me. I think it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Know these characters? I'll be like, oh, God, let's get this over with. I don't care right now. Mm. I know all of this. Yeah. But let's say if you're just a Spider-Man reader. That's true. Yeah. Discover these characters and they show off the origins. It makes you interested and makes you... And you buy the books and you invest in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. D- definitely. A, it's a big marketing tool. Uh, it's a, and it's an effective one as well. I mean, like, how many times during the 90s have you heard of... Wolverine's unbreakable skeleton and, and um, unbreakable bones and his healing factor. I mean, that was like mentioned every time we spoke, which was um, which was kind of grating sometimes. But uh, yeah, um, didn't phase you, Josh, in the reread? Uh, no, I mean, I, I still like it, but uh, but even like uh, like Rick was saying, like yeah, you read this like if you if you're just picking this up as it comes to the newsstand, and you're only reading Spider Man you're seeing all the characters' origins and mm. it kind of gets you interested. Like, that's what happened. Like, that's how it got me because I'm pretty much hooked on all these characters yeah. that are in this arc. If it wouldn't have been for them kind of showing some of that, I might not have been interested in it at all. Yeah. Plus, also, you got to think about all that, that, that's also a way, not only get you interested, but, uh, hey, what can we do to boost sales? Yep. Let's, let's toss in some of that, too. Because considering, I'm sure Spyro is outselling all the other ones. Mm. I'm sure... All the ones that came out a little after this arc came out probably got a little bit of a boost too. Yeah. It's surprising that they didn't do a crossover of sorts between the titles because, again, marketing-wise, that would have really compelled people and exposed a lot of people um, to, say, the likes of the Punisher title. But I guess this flavour... I mean, look, if you look at the Punisher, or maybe just the Punisher at the moment, um, he's very much in Spidey's world here, isn't he? It's like... If you go into his titles, he's a very different character. I think a little, a little less so than what he is here. I mean, here I'm looking at this. Um, he's he's dressing down the thug here, and he's he's saying um, he's he's correcting him on his grammar. I found that hilarious. Like he's saying the thug, you know, by using that double negative, you're saying you do know something, right? <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> the Punisher would never do something like that, I think, <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't care about that sort of stuff, but he is ruthless here as well, but he's just a little, just a little bit on the, on the friendly side, I'd say. 
Um, One of his days where he's just like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buff it. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. And it's, it, if anything, Milgram does a really good job, I think, of handling such a huge cast, right? Um, everyone gets their gets their moment, you know. Um, Dark Hawk as well, even though he was missing through the, the uh, middle, uh, at the beginning and towards the end, he gets, you know, he gets a, a nice chunk there as well. Uh, everyone gets a fight. Everyone fights each other. It's it's really good. I think it was a really well-balanced thing. Um, if anything, and again, maybe this is my ignorance from Nova and the New Warriors who have forgotten because I used to collect the New Warriors. But Nova, I mean, he, if you're looking at power sets, he is off the charts compared to these guys. Um but I guess what Milgram does is incapacitates him early on, so takes him out of the game. But look, he's still in there as well. So that's um, he's not exactly street level, isn't he? He's he's cosmic. I think early in his career, I think he was mainly street level because he hasn't reached that full potential yet. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah, he hung around Spidey a lot. I know that. I know. I know. There's that Tri Sentinel arc in the Amazing Spider-Man that he features in as well. But yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, like he's part of the new warriors, so that, that's that is kind of street level. Um, yeah, any any other um, points here, guys, that you like to talk about? Um, I think if, if we can just highlight just Moon Knight just a bit, I do think it's funny how you clearly can see how Moon Knight is pretty much not really not he's not saying he's a team player, but if he's team up with somebody else, he'll almost always find a way to get into a fight with them. <laughs> because like in this one like him and him and Night Thrasher are sort of going at it mm. uh for like half of the arc, basically. And like so in the prelude, him and Punisher were going at it. It's like Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> luckily there's other Yeah. I was gonna say luckily luckily there's other people for them that both punch, they're not punching each other, because if not, I think they would have gone at it yeah. multiple times again. C- countless amount of Secret Empire thugs to, to beat up a couple of, you know, an army of them, which is, yeah, true. I found, like, just going back to your point about Night Thrasher, I found him quite, he was a bit of a troublemaker within the group as well. He, he was a bit surly, I thought, um, out of all the characters. Is, and, and as you say, he had a go at, at, um, at Moon Knight. Um, towards the end, he kind of warms to the Punisher and, you know, they have their little little bromance at the end there, you know, see you later, big guy, and all, and all, and all that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Moon Knight, um, yeah, I don't know, his depiction in this, uh, it's even, I mean, because obviously he's a supporting cast member, but even like on the terms of Mark Spector level, uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight depictions, um, yeah, didn't get too much of a sense of him, uh, I thought. It was really good just to see him in and, in and amongst it, but... Um, yeah, I, again, one of the little comments I had to laugh at was him ruining the fact. I mean, how long has he been Moon Knight? And um, anyway, he goes, oh, if only my glider cape enabled me to actually fly. It's like, <laughs> like you wouldn't say that out loud, would you, Moon Knight? Come on. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's quite interesting. I, I got a couple of, just a couple of last notes here as well. I've actually, I thought it was a continuity error. Okay, so we have Midnight finding the spider tracer on his shoulder, and a little funny moment here. The Secret Empire people want to uh, study it because it's a very innovative little toy, 
but Midnight just crushes it. You know, says, I'll squash him just as easily as I do this little toy. And you hear one of the um, Secret Empire going, Midnight, no, we want to study a... Oh, oh well. <laughs> and so they're too late to stop him um, from ruining the technology. I thought that was um, pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, anyway, what I was saying was... So he, he destroys the Spider Tracer, yet later on, when our heroes infiltrate the Secret Empire business, uh, Spider-Man mentions, I've got a bead on him, Thrasher. Um, I can follow my tracer signal now that we're inside. That was after the tracer was destroyed. So, ba-boom. I think that's an error right there. Um, did anyone notice that as well? I thought you're pointing out and I'm looking at the page. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to find where where you're uh... Oh yeah, sorry. I've I've only clipped these um I think it's in issue oh. 5. Um and so Nova uh sorry, Mid uh, Moon Knight, Night Thrasher and Spider-Man are, are heading inside the Secret Empire building. If anything, it would be Night Thrasher zeroing in on Nova's helmet frequency, which is how they were tracing him in the first place. There's nothing to do with the spider tracer, but um but Spider-Man clearly says I can follow my my tracer signal now that we're inside. So, um, yeah, just a little little oh, yeah, little stuff up I there. I see it now. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, apart from that, I'm just being pedantic, a pedantic idiot. Um, you know, it's uh, it was a pretty fun fun story. Uh, and just a little final thing at the end of issue two, I'm just going to leave it there. The last words are spoken by Spidey. And he just says, I'm generally on a first-name basis with anyone who attacks me from behind. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of juvenile humour there from yours truly. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, uh, if there are no other notes, guys, do you want to give this a rating overall? Okay. Uh, (laughs) I will give this a full moon. Full moon. Alrighty. Okay. No messing about with you, Rick Ball. Full moon, excellent. Um, yeah, um, absolutely. What uh, in, in summation? What were the main points that that gave you this uh, full moon rating? Just a fun story. Sometimes you'll get like the really. Sometimes in a in a time where it's like full of offense, mm-hmm. like serious storytelling and all that stuff, you just want to go relax, read like a fun story of all your favorite characters, mm-hmm. just having fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't ever seem like there were huge stakes here. I mean, although you know, there there was death. You know, a death here and there, and um, and you know, people out killing, looking to kill each other. It didn't really seem. Yeah, you're right. There never seemed to be any weight or heaviness to it. So, yeah, uh, nice one off filler. Yeah, uh, a one off six six issue filler. <laughs> um, uh. Josh, how about yourself? Um, I'm going to give it a full moon also. Excellent. And uh, uh, main points? Um, uh, sort of kind of like what Rick said. Like I said it's, it's a fun story. You have all your different kind of characters, but also just like just for me, this is like the basis of my entire like comic collecting. Because mm-hmm. like the first like big arc that I read, like so, I kind of compare every other thing that I read sort of kind of this because this is what really got me into it um like I said it got me into all these characters because like hello oh sorry you're breaking up there 
Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll just. I forget where I was at. But I'll just. Uh, this, but, is, uh, um, this was the basis of your of your collecting. Okay. Yeah. It was like. Yeah. So it's, a, it's the basis of like all my collecting, and um, like got me into like all these characters. Like, I, if I wouldn't have read this, I wouldn't have got into well, Moon Knight mm-hmm. and like Night Thrasher, Darkhawk. Like, I got like all of their, their like their runs from that time. Um, and I kind of just compare this to kind of like every other thing I read. Cause this is like the high point of everything that I've read mm. and like, uh, and like the art bat Mark Bagley's art is yeah. like the high point of like my favorite art yeah. too. And so I kind of compare everything like that. So it's, so along with it just being like a fun story, mm-hmm. it basically it's, it's, it's the, the high point of my, uh, my comic collecting. Yeah. So awesome and nostalgia too. <laughs> yeah, no, great. That's a that's a great mix, uh, especially to have for comic books. Um, I do the same with nostalgia. There are there's some issues, some arcs that I love that that are really quite um, innocuous. You know that they don't have any bearings similar to what you say, Rick. They they could be filler arcs, but that nostalgia value is is really important, um, and it's a very personal thing. Uh, look, I, I'd agree with both of you as well. I'd give it a full moon, a, a, a good full moon. Uh, the art was phenomenal. I just, you know, cannot stress enough how much I loved Mark Bagley's art in general. And, and at that time, I mean, I've seen some of his more recent art, which is still good, but I don't know. It could be that nostalgia factor that makes this a lot more stronger for me than than his more recent stuff. Uh I just love the characters, the interaction with all of them. They were all handled really well. You get a nice, like, it's not often you get such a huge team up. Um, and the stakes weren't high, as you say, Rick. There's plenty of action. I've said it again. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I'm a big action guy. So I just love the action. This is the sort of action that you love and I love. And sometimes you don't see these days where they actually kind of, uh, for want of a better word, you go into detail with the action. You see these fights up close uh, and you see them through with all the different oh, yeah. characters. Yeah, and that's really cool. And, and I miss that sometimes in a lot of today's comics. Uh, so a big a big full moon for me as well. It's just, um, it just rocked actually. And um, yeah, I loved it. I love this, uh, I love this arc as well. Um, and, and, you know, I don't mind that Moon Knight. He, let's face it, he, he does take a little bit of a back seat. Even though he is instrumental to basically the, the title of the arc, you know, Sidekick's Revenge, it, it really much hinges on Moon Knight and, and his sidekick, Midnight. Um, but he does take a little bit of a back seat. But it was good to see the likes of Night Thrasher kind of shine through. I love Pan- Punisher uh, infiltrating the Secret Empire as number three. That was very smart. Um, Punisher doing his thing. And uh, yeah, just all of them in general were. were um, were pretty good, so uh, yeah, full moon all round. So loonies, if you haven't got it yet, um, you can pick it up on digital, Marvel Unlimited, and as Josh alluded to earlier, it's it's available on trade, uh, but more recently on Epic Collection. So that should be readily available for you uh, if you want to give this a go. Right, well, um, we are going to have to wrap this up soon. Um, just with Mooney missives, uh, we had a small email here. Um, Rick, do you want to take this one? This was from a, a loony who sent an email through to ITK. We don't get many emails, but uh, it was uh, it was always fun to to get feedback, and we love to shout them out on the show. So, could you read this out one? Sure thing. Yep. Good ravers, and he wrote, 
I noticed something in an episode of the latest Iron Fist on Netflix that made me think they were working on a Moon Knight series in the near future. Is there a way I can send you an attachment to look at and see what you think? Thanks, Drew. This was on the wall of the Crane Sisters tattoo parlor. I know it represents a crane, but it is very similar to the Bird Skull Moon Knight. Yeah, so this actually, there was a lot of discussion within our ITK group. Um, Josh, you're familiar with this, obviously, having watched the season, and um, you've seen this bandied about? Oh, I saw, I saw it right away. Yeah. I, I took a picture I took a picture of it. I was going to post it up, but it was like the day after it came out. Oh, right, yeah. So I was like, I don't want to spoil anything just yet. Yeah. You haven't seen it, Rick? Sorry. Sounds really cool. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think it's a... A bit of it could well be a, um, a nod to Conchu. Um, I reckon it's just more of the crane, like the crane bird skull, because it's from the Crane Sisters tattoo parlor. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, we'll post the, the picture up. I'm sure it's up there on the on the Facebook group. There, Rick, uh, have a look uh, and judge for yourself. I think someone's even time stamped it as well, so you can you can even if you don't want to watch the whole season, Rick, just um, go to that episode. And go to that timestamp, and you can you can see it. Um, but it, it's pretty cool. Even if it's a nod, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so good pick up, Drew. Uh, we have many watchful eyes in the loony community. Uh, so Drew picked that up, but um, a few other loonies were quick to snap that up, just like you, Josh, as well. Um, all right. Well, we probably will have to wrap this up now, guys. I, I just before I go, I want to thank you so much. Thank you, Rick Ball Special, and thank you, Geronimo, Josh for coming on the show to discuss this awesome arc. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and, and you guys are all, uh, welcome any time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can catch these guys also in our Looney community as well. So, um, you know, you guys are, are pretty um, pretty active in the group. So if anyone wants to have a chat with, with Josh or, uh, or Rick, just uh, hit them up in that group. Uh, Rick, I know you're also in the Looney Bin as well. We have a chat room. Uh, you can find the link on our on our group. Just that's a twenty four seven chat room. Um, but yeah, but hit them up for some questions. Uh, um, hassle them about the round robin <laughs> arc that we've just discussed. Uh, Josh, can I throw it to you for our next phase? Okay, so the next phase is going to be a waning gibbous. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, we got to have the the Moon Knight number one ninety. 199 uh, by Max Beers and Paul Davidson, so that's going to be coming up soon. And also, uh, because it's the waning game, mm-hmm. it's going to be another Isla Ra, which you mentioned earlier, you're going to have yeah. uh, Phil Parrish yeah. Capes, Capes and Lunatics on. Yeah, that um, so that will come out maybe like one or two days after our um, our episode, which will be episode 63 of, uh, of, of Moon Knight 199. So that should be a cracker as well. Um, finally, you can find us, uh, dear loonies, on email, itkmoonnight at gmail. We have a website, intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. There's Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash itkmoonnight, and a Facebook group, which is fantastic, facebook.com slash groups slash itkmoonnight. Also on Twitter, our handle is at itkmoonnight, and we're on Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. Just search for Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Finally, we are on all good podcast catches, so uh, just take your pick. Whatever is your poison will be on there. Um, Once again, a big thank you to the guys. Uh, A big shout-out also again. Thank you, Noel, for the music, which will be featured in this episode and in subsequent episodes. 
Um, hope you liked also uh, their latest single, Dr. Jonathan Osterman. Check them out. They're really cool. And um, hmm, how about Rick Ball? Would you like to sign us off, please? May can't you watch Over the Denizens of the Night? Cool. Catch you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.